glad that you're here worshiping with us today. If you're worshiping online, we extend a very special welcome to you. My name's Andrea Smith. I'm the pastor here at West. And I want to say a special thank you to Matt and Jessica and the whole worship team, the band and the singers and the folks in the back. Uh, they do such a great job. If you had ever told me that at a new faith community we would sing, I saw the light and I'll fly away, I would have thought, yeah, right. And so when Matt said that, uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to trust you. And that was fun and it was amazing. And honestly, I believe that that's what a walk following Jesus can be. Today, we are talking about the last of our core values. You'll see those up here attached to a trailer. Why are they attached, all of the West core values, to a trailer? Because you see, we are a portable church. We have no intentions of building a worship venue or worship site. And honestly, uh, like the best news ever happened on Friday morning, I was able to meet with the administration of Lake Norman High School, and we are going to enter into a partnership, and we're going to hang uh, these speakers and wire the stage so that for uh, the next several, several years, we can continue to use this, and so the setup team does not have to put all this stuff up every Sunday so we can spend more time on making Wired and Sparked and the nursery great. So uh, we're so grateful. Yay! <laughs> And you may be thinking, oh my gosh, we're going to install our equipment, you know, uh why would we not put that in a facility for us? Well, you see, the church does not exist for us. The church exists to give itself away. That comes to prove itself true to me every time that I engage in these conversations with someone about us meeting here at Lake Norman. Friday was no different. A gentleman that works for Iredell County Schools as we were leaving, he stopped me and he said, I just want to thank you for what your faith community does for Iredell County. You know, it's it's a great partnership, and we're so grateful for the way that you all lead with that. He said, I'm a Christian. I'm not really involved in a church, but I watch what you guys do and how you work together. And he said, it really, it makes me stop and think about what it means to be a Christian. Well, that's not always a good word. You know, Christian, in fact, in today's society, um, a lot of people don't want anything to do with Christians, but they want to follow God or have this connection with spirituality. And so that's a part of why our core values are what they are, because you see, as a church, we believe that it is our mission to offer people Christ. You can be a part of any kind of nonprofit that has a philanthropic heart or purpose, and you can do good in this world. But I believe that something special happens when we bond together under the mission and the goal of following Jesus. And so today's message is the last of the core values, infinitely changing. It's combined with fun. We combine them because I believe that they do go together. We live in a very fun society. Last Sunday was a home Panthers game. We live close to the Panthers. They're having a great season. We have a huge part of our worshiping body that goes to the Panther games sometimes instead of coming here. And you know, instead of like, shame on you, it's all good. We worship live stream. We believe that we live in an area that is 
full of fun opportunities like Norman. That's why we have worship on the water in the summer so we can meet people where they are and offer them Christ. Do you think that in the third century CE they would have had worship on the water? Probably not. Would they have gone to the Panthers game and listened to worship while they were on the way? No. Does that make that wrong? No. In fact, I believe that if John Wesley, the founding father of Methodism, were here, I believe he'd say, you know, that's all right. Instead of, as I told you last week, uh, one of the guys at that Methodist board worship symposium where they invited me to come and be a part of 20 people that were talking about the future of Methodism. One gentleman didn't necessarily like my answers, so as we were leaving, he gave me and another pastor a book called Key United Methodist Beliefs. I was a little offended, if you want the truth of the matter. And the other pastor said, do you not think we're Methodist? And then he sort of stuttered and stammered around his words and said, well, I just give this to all my students. Well, there were 18 other people around the table. We're the only two that seemed to get a copy. (laughs) Because, you see, we're different here. We're different. But the message is the same. And so today, we're going to do like part two of the series that, uh, or the sermon that I started last week where Jesus said, I am the way, and I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And those who know me, they know the Father. In just a minute, I'm going to read it to you from the book of John, but I want to tell you about something that we did last Sunday after worship. We have this thing called confirmation. We uh, offer it to people that are in seventh grade and up. And it's a time that we come together and we explore what it means to be young adults as they are learning and growing in their faith journey. And so we meet out in the hallway and, and we try to make it fun so they can, you know, not, you know, die of boredom. And so we go out there and, you know, I had them lined up and I wanted them to practice coming toward me in lots of different ways. I would say things to them out loud. One time they had to go really fast. One time they had to go slow. One time they had to go backwards. And, you know, the goal each time was to make it to where I was, to find their way on the path. The most profound time was when uh, I had them line up in a straight line and not take turns, but line up in a straight line and then close their eyes. They each were to follow a line, a straight line, and uh, I want to show you sort of what happened. They started way, way back, and they had to close their eyes, and then they had to make it to where I stood. And the whole time that they would be walking, they knew that there was a crevice on the floor where the tile came together. And they would walk with their eyes closed. No one tried to cheat. And I would keep talking to them as they came. 
Now, sometimes, while they would walk, they would veer. And then they would go back the other way. But every time, all ten of them, by the end, they made it back to where I was standing. I asked them, how did you do that? They had different answers, and they were so profound that next Lent, Lenten series, the 40 days before Easter, uh, we're going to actually do a message series on the I am's of Jesus, and they're going to help me with that series each week and, and make these points because they're all so profound. A few of them said that they would try to feel their way by, you know, using their foot on the tile and make sure they could find the crevice. I thought, wow, that was really smart. Others of them would take their feet and, you know, do like they were walking a tightrope and put one foot up against the other as they walked. One said, I just walked. And I didn't know really where I was going or if I was veering off the path until I got closer to you and I could hear your voice and I followed your voice until I could find my way to you when Jesus said I am the way that's sort of what he was saying because you see all throughout the life of Jesus We don't see him saying, okay, I want you to take my writings that you have on uh, pen and paper and take the things that I've said to you and I want you to study them and then I want you to take all these other writings and I want you to apply them to your life and do A, B, C, and D and then if you sign on the dotted line, then eternal life. Woo, yeah, it's yours. It's not what he said. One thing I want to remind you of before I read this passage is that during the time of Christ, other world religions existed. When Abraham in the Old Testament, the father of many world religions, when he existed, you know, Hinduism, it was already around. It's important to keep that in mind because this passage, this verse, is often used to keep people out of the way instead of welcome them in. So I want to educate you a little bit about that passage and the why that that happens. But more than anything, I want you to walk away today knowing what is the way. What is the bottom line of Christianity? Because you see, that also ties into the bottom line of what we do every day of our journeys in the way. This passage that I'm referring to is in the book of John. It's John chapter 14, and it's the first part of that chapter. It's right before Jesus went to trial and was ultimately killed. And he's hanging out with his best friends. Do not let the disciples, by the way, sorry. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? 
And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, you will know my Father. From now on, you do know him, and you have seen him. How do we know the way? I am the way. When Jesus says, if you will believe in me, that word believe sometimes gets in the way. Because you see, we have translated it over the years to mean believe and know. We equate the word know with believe. And that's actually not what the translation meant. There's another verse in John. John 3, 16. I want you to clap if you know that verse by heart. For God so loved... How many of you had to memorize that at some point in your faith journey? Clap. And I ask that not because those two questions are redundant. You know, some people memorize scripture because it's what helps them ground themselves in God. Other people memorize scripture because they had to when they were growing up. How many of you ever had to do a Bible drill? A few of you, I'd love to know your tradition, your faith tradition. A Bible drill was when, uh, like, if we would do this in confirmation, you would all be so bored. But, um, like, you'd stand there with your Bible like this. This is not in the sermon, by the way. This is just extra information. (laughs) Sorry, I am off on a little rabbit trail, but I'm going to get back in just a second. Because none of you knew what a Bible drill was, and I feel like I need to explain that. You would have the Bible, and they'd say, James 3.12. And then everybody would have to look it up. And then you'd have to read it. And then you'd get a prize at the end. I never really won. That's why we don't do them in confirmation, by the way. (laughs) Actually, it isn't. Because you see scripture, these words in there, they come alive. They come alive in our lives because Jesus was alive. He was fully man, yet fully divine. And he says, I am the way. If you believe in me, then you are going to know the way. Follow me. For God so loved the world, that verse, that John three sixteen verse, that he gave his only son, That whosoever shall believeth in him won't perish, but will have everlasting life. I so don't like that verse. (gasps) My stepmother would be just eclipsed with anger. How can I say that? Because you see, that verse has been used to keep people away from Jesus instead of welcoming them to only 
begotten son. Or then you look at this passage. I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. What was he saying? Well, you see, in the first and second centuries... They did not use this or John 3.16 as verses to keep people out of the faith, out of the way. The first followers of Christ knew that Jesus was trying to point them to God. God existed, you know, from, remember, the beginning. And so when Jesus came, he was trying to take the Jewish tradition, the Jewish faith that most of the people that were hanging out with him were a part of, And he was trying to say, look, it's not just some words on a piece of paper. It's not just some rules that you follow about what you eat and what you don't eat. What's clean and what's unclean. Let me show you what the law really means. Let me show you God. I am Yahweh. That's what God was referred to back in the Old Testament with Moses and when God appeared to Moses, he said, I, I am, that's my, who I am, I am. And then he led the people out of captivity and out of slavery, and he led them into the promised land. And he did so by being a way of light. Jesus had some other I am sayings. I am the light of the world. I am the shepherd. Every way of Jesus led people to the light of life. Fullness of life. Joy of life. And so when he says, if, if you will follow me, not read my teachings, not follow a bunch of rules, and not sign on the dotted line. If you will follow me, I will show you the way. So, the bottom line is we just have to watch Jesus. We just have to look at who he was and what he did and how he loved. And if we will do that, then we experience the way. The word believe, if you will believe in me, or whosoever believeth in him, if you translate that, here's what it means. Trust. So put those verses back in that context. If you trust in me, If you will invest in me, if you will follow me, if you will believe and trust and know that I'm going to lead you to a place of joy and happiness and peace, if you will trust in me and hold on to those convictions, no matter what is coming at you from around your world and around your life, if you will hold on to me, I will show you the way. And he did, all the way to the cross. Now, you know, the cross is not a a pretty picture. They killed him. He hung on a tree for hours and hours in agony, 
and he died. But all the time that he was dying, he was saying different things, different words, different phrases, never casting blame, never condemning, but forgiving. Never holding himself above everyone else, but challenging them to live in community and to love one another. He died showing them and us the way to life. Because he said today to the other guy hanging on the cross, who I want to remind you did not have to sign on the dotted line to be told this. Today you're going to be with me in paradise. Today. I am the way. Why do I keep making a joke about the dotted line? Well, you see, because this does all relate to who we are as a faith community. And in just a few more minutes, I'm going to wrap it all up. And I'm going to tell you that as a church, we are a church. I try to say we're not, but we are. Because you see, even the word church carries a negative stereotype for folks. But as a church, there are certain things that we do. And then there are other things that we don't do. And one is push membership. I had a meeting this week with uh, my bosses the denominational people. Because you see, it's charge conference time. It's time for a bunch of reports. My least favorite thing to do ever. It's time for numbers. It's time for all that institutional stuff. Some of that stuff is actually important. But some of those things... I just don't do here as your leader. And one of those is membership. Now, professions of faith and you coming to me and saying, I want to follow Jesus, that's something totally different. That's a baptism. That's a profession of faith in Christ. And that's not membership. But church membership is about our numbers looking good in the journal. So when other people go look up West, they can say, oh, they're growing. Oh, she must be effective. Or, oh, they're not growing. Oh, she's not effective. And the numbers go down. It would be very easy to be driven by numbers. And if I start doing that, then I'm losing my way. Because you see, it's really about starting back here, wherever you start in your journey of faith. And it is about you following your path with God. Knowing that it's sometimes, hamartia, the word sin, It's going to pull you over to dark places. And I'm standing over here on purpose because the lights don't show me over here. Because you see, this is what life is like when we're not following the way. The way of selflessness. The way of sacrifice. And the way of love. 
But I believe by being in community and being in small groups and by serving others and giving ourselves away, we find our way back to the light. And if we keep listening to God's voice, we'll end up where we're supposed to be in the end, which is connected with the way, the way that leads to life. In the first century, they believed in uh, Christian universalism or Christian inclusivism. It's what we would call today universalists. They believed that ultimately everybody someday, some way, somehow would find their way to the eternal connection of God, heaven, paradise. Remember, we try not to think about heaven as just being a place that you go to in the clouds once we die. That's not heaven. Heaven and paradise, eternal bliss, connection with God, at one with love, heaven. The first followers of Jesus believed that, Christian universalism. It was in the 5th century that St. Augustine, which ultimately ended up influencing John Calvin, who was one of the early uh, fathers of religion and tradition, they're the ones that interpreted salvation to be a yes-no kind of thing, either-or. They went away from the fact that God was always pulling people into that redemptive salvation. It's where Catholics got purgatory from the early, the first and second century church fathers. In the fifth century, they went another direction. But then now, Justin Martyr, who is one of the fathers of our faith, John Wesley, and even Billy Graham adheres to this other way of looking at faith, and I am the way. And that's a whole other series for another time, and I don't have time to get into that because it distracts us from the ultimate point. But I tell you that to tell you that it's a broad path, and that ultimately Jesus said, let me show you the way. Let me show you, follow me, I am the way. And so that's why we, as a faith community, do things the way that we do. We follow the Jesus model. We try to be relevant in the world today. That's why Matt wove those songs together, because you see, they all changed but the musical structure of the song, the, chord, the chords, there were four. That pattern didn't change. The words just did. The song was infinitely changing, but the roots stayed the same. All means all. All people are welcome here all the time. And it's okay to have fun. And we need to always be changing. The message never changes. But the way we offer the message does. Now, why have we spent, you know, five to six weeks on this series? Because, you see, everything that we do as a faith community or a church will be held to these things. Everything we do. Does it go back to that? You see, now is the time that we establish what our roots are in the ground as a faith community. 
And these are very important. That's why the first one is we follow the Jesus model. And he said, follow me. I am the way. It's why we don't do things like other churches do. You don't need another church. I told you last week, there are five within a seven-mile radius that worship less than 40 people on Sunday morning. Three of them worship less than 25. We don't need another church. We don't need another church building. They would share. We need more people following the way. We need more people doing things like West on the Water. And at some point over the next year, we have to be looking at what's next for us because we always are supposed to be about offering people Christ. And that can't just always be right here at 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. Yes, it's a foundation of what we are, but there are more ways to offer Christ. And I need you to help us figure that out. On Wednesday of this week, I met with our district superintendent. He's one of my bosses. And I met with two other pastors, Sharon Adams at Faith and Paul Revere. I just think that's the coolest name. Paul Revere, who is the pastor at Mara's Chapel. Mara's Chapel is right down Brawley School Road. Probably three-fourths of you could walk to it. Do you know that on Sunday morning, they all, at Mara's Chapel, um, less than 25 Usually like 20 people. Beautiful facility and a missional heart. But over the last 40 or so, 50, 60 years, the demographics have changed and church didn't grow. We're going to begin partnering with Sharon Adams and hopefully Paul and the people of Mars Chapel, but Sharon and Faith United Methodist in November. And on Saturday nights, we are going to start by once a month feeding the people that live in downtown Mooresville. It is our hope that this will grow from once a month to uh, being a weekly thing. Lori West, our missions catalyst, wrote me about a month ago and said, I have an idea. Please don't say no yet. Listen. This was the first time that Lori had had like this big, just totally new, out-of-the-box idea. And so she didn't know what to expect from me. Those are the things that I love the most. Her vision was beautiful. Because you see, there is a homeless population in Mooresville. Homeless meaning that uh, a lot of them live in their cars. And on Saturdays or on the weekends, they spend their time in the parking lot of an area store. There's a community, and they're hungry, and we have food, and we have money, and we have resources, and we have time. And we have other churches that don't have those things, but they have heart. You see, of the 20 people at Mara's Chapel, they go and feed the habitat workers and they work with Fairview United Methodists to pack backpacks. They want to work with us. So our next big adventure starts in November on the third Saturday night. We're going to feed the people and we're going to offer them Christ. Dr. Royals, we have this... uh, 
bizarre relationship. He doesn't quite know what to do with me. And um, because we're so weird. You know, his first visit to West, I wore a card and we played poker on the stage. Gambling is an abomination in the book of discipline. So, I mean, you're not supposed to do it in worship either. And I said, Dr. Royals, I just need to tell you, we're going to gamble in worship, but no money will be exchanged. But it's to make a point that we need to be all in. I knew we were getting ready to charter, and I needed to know, is anybody going to charter with us? Because, you know, we sort of do have a few bills. Folks, when I met with Dr. Royals this week, he was laughing, and he said, you know, tell me about this meal thing that y'all are doing. And I told him, tell me about Bash. And I told him, he said, well, I just want to ask you one thing. It's great that you do missions, but do you offer them Christ? I said, of course we do. We don't do a bait and switch approach. Here, here, come, let me feed you. And then, bam, over the head with the Bible. Do you know Jesus? (laughs) He didn't laugh. I'm not sure why y'all are laughing. (laughs) Because that is literally what I said. I said, no, we don't do a bait and switch approach. But in the name of God, everything that we do, we offer them Christ. Everything that we do. It's time for us to follow the way, the way that leads to life. Because I promise you, not people, not finances, not homes, not anything else that we invest ourselves in will hold us in the darkest of times. But the arms of Christ do. The arms that stretched wide enough to show us what sacrifice really means. And that even in the greatest times of sacrifice, we will find the way, the way that leads to life. Will you go with me and will you follow the way? Let us pray. Gracious God, we are seeking to be your followers. Jesus showed us who you are. Energy and light and life and passion Strength in times of need and the light in times of darkness. Scripture from beginning to end, Genesis to Revelation, shows us that it all is a journey. A journey that sometimes we find ourselves totally at one with light and sometimes we find ourselves in the darkness. But you're always calling us by name, leading us back and holding us on to you and holding us in the way. As a church, we ask that you provide us with clear vision and clear paths so that we may offer Christ to all those within our reach and use us to show the way. Today is a little different after worship because we wanted to reinforce the points and we had some West stuff that was uh, cluttering the office just a little. There are games out in the commons area. Now, the reason I say that there's West stuff cluttering the office because usually people want some kind of external reward to do things. So there are prizes. But I didn't want you to think that we just went and wasted a bunch of uh, your tithe dollars to just go buy random things. 
So there's West koozies, there's bags, there's t-shirts, there's all kinds of just random items that we've collected over the last year, year and a half. Now, here's the deal. We know about how many items are out there. Because we are a missional church, the staff has agreed for every item that gets gone, it's going to be representative of a dollar. And we're going to buy food for the Third Creek backpacks based on how many items are gone by the end of the day. So if there's uh, everything gone, then we'll be pooling together our resources, our money, and going to the grocery store together as a staff team. We're going to have a field trip, and we're going to buy food for Third Creek. If y'all don't want to play the games, then we won't feed the Third Creek people as a staff. See, I'm trying to entice you because it's guilt. Yes, that is it. (laughs) Actually, no, it's not. We just want you to have fun, too. Because you folks are going to be what holds one another up in the darkest times. Just ask Betty Pettit, Josh's mom, who's worshiping with us here this morning after she had her tumor removed from her lung and she gets ready to go through chemo. It's her West family that has supported her through it. Ask the people on the stage, their team. You need to build community together. I'm not that. I'm just your leader that helps show us the way. Y'all are showing this community and the world the way together. And you need to get to know each other to do that. So please go out there. Play some silly games. Have fun. And say to people, hi, my name's Andrea. Tell me your name. My name's Wendy. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And you know what? Introduce yourself to people. It's okay. Even if you know them, tell them your name again. That way nobody feels awkward. Because you see, it's not still awkward, dear. This is my husband, yes. I want you guys to know each other because what we do matters. It matters more than anything because we have a chance to show other people the way. Go in peace and go play some games. Pretty please. (laughs) 